Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have, I, I mean, it's, you know, look, it's very, very rare when I get a super, superstar on the show. And I'm excited that uh, I have a couple of super, superstars on the show this morning. I want to welcome Dr. Bernie Siegel and his grandson, Charlie Siegel. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I, I'm I'm honored that you're here. And and I, I you know, I gotta tell you, I, I'm I'm telling the truth when I say it's rare that I get super superstars on the show, and, and you guys fall into that category for me. By the way, I forgot to tell you, there will be times when I give you the full screen like that. We're still here. Just wanted to let you know that uh, there'll be time. So, so let's let's talk about where um, whereabouts you guys, starting with you, Doctor Siegel. Where where were you born and raised? In Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. The international area, uh, you know, what's called Flatbush, that kind of area. And the reason I loved it retrospect too was our street was an international you know collection of people races religions but we were all family you know when i thought about it later after growing up how we are treating people now in other words i could walk into a store and take something home and when they saw my parents they would tell them and my parents would pay for it you know that sort of thing Oh yeah. yeah, my sister, I got to tell you this one. She started accumulating lots of change, quarters, dimes, and we couldn't figure out why her, you know, the furniture in her bedroom had all this money on it. And then finally she said, "Oh, it's just lying out there on the newspapers by the candy store." So I take it home if people want to drop it. So we went to tell the candy store owner what had been happening. He laughed, he didn't say, you know, he just enjoyed the, the to understand what had happened. And uh, it's not, oh, he owed me $20 or something like that. Um, the other was um, inter, interracially and internationally, I was at my friend Carmine's house um, and his mother, you know, before we went to school, I would go over and get him and we'd both go. Yeah. Uh, said, uh, you know, while we're finishing breakfast, you want some? So I sat down and I said, gee, this tastes very good. What is it? It's called bacon. So that <laughs> evening I went to my Orthodox Jewish grandfather and said, hey, I got something really good at Carmine's house. We got to get some. What was it? Bacon. I thought he was going to pass out. <laughs> go to heaven now, but he didn't go across the street and yell at Carmine's mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Carmine mm -hmm. stayed with me on Jewish holidays, and I stayed with him on Christian holidays. And our family didn't know it, but it was our way of avoiding school and, <laughs> and people thinking, you know, we were Catholic and Jewish, and they never said yeah. the both. It was family, and and so it just felt good growing up in that environment one more thing i got to tell you that used to drive me nuts my sister was a, a devil i mean she was an incredibly beautiful intelligent kid but she was literally tied to the house uh, on a harness to the drain pipe <clears throat> the other kids in the neighborhood she would scare them she didn't hurt people but you know the way she would act yeah and i take her to school which was hard because we had to go up well, of course, busy streets, and I used to take her all the way up to the train platform and down the other side rather yeah. than have a walk across a four-lane road because she would scare the wits out of me. Yeah. And at school, the teachers would say, you're so lucky when they saw me in the hallway. I said, what are you talking about? What a lovely sister. What intelligent. How beautiful. And I used to think, take her home for a week and let me know how you feel. <laughs> but... Again, you know, we grew up as family, and I think that's always been a part of me. I yeah. like people, and that's an unusual reason for people for to become a doctor because you like yeah, what, people. So you became you ended up becoming a medical doctor. Yeah, 
I've had lots of PhDs on here, but I've not had many. Uh, I don't think I've had any MDs. So uh, you're my first. So talk about that. What made you um, and what kind of a doctor were you? Like, did you? I was a surgeon because again, okay. I was an artist. I wanted to use my hands. I never uh, knew as a kid again in Brooklyn that artists earned livings. You know that yeah. there was. Picasso, the Rembrandts, I never heard about them. I would just draw pictures. So I thought, mind you using your hands, you know, and you like people and, and the body is interesting and so forth. So I figured I'll be a surgeon that'll combine everything. And, um, but again, what you're not taught, I have pictures in my room here where the doctor's always doing this. The dying. Somebody else is in the hospital bed, critically ill. They're all thinking. And that's the part that was hard for me. I mean, I was trained to take care of, you know, bodies and diseases, but I love people. And what really redirected my life was this simple statement from one of my patients. When we were not in the office, but at a meeting, sitting next to each other. He said, you're a nice guy. I feel better when I'm in the office with you, but I can't take you home with me. So I need to know how to live between office visits. Mm. That redirected my life. It's really interesting because that was at a weekend workshop. When I came back to the office on Monday, one of my partners, Dr. Richard Selzer, he was a very intuitive, wise man. And he looked at me as I walked in the office on Monday and said, you're gone. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're not the same person you were on Friday. Mm. Surgery. And he was absolutely right. And that woman's statement had such a profound, profound effect on me because I thought. How to, how to live between office visits. Yeah. And that was the title of a book I wrote later after the first few. Um, wow. it, it's again helping people to live. It wasn't just about how do I cure your disease, you know? It, yeah. it, how do I help you live? And then you find diseases go away when people start enjoying their lives. I mean, that's when I was uh, the controversial Dr. Siegel. That was the headline in almost every article <laughs> about me because I, I about feelings and life. Yeah. And, and you know that when somebody got well when they weren't supposed to, it wasn't an accident. If you said to the person, "How come you didn't die when you were supposed to?" they tell you a story about their life. I always yeah. say Monday morning we have heart more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses. See, so you're told you have two months to live. You put your job and you start doing what you love, and you move, and you and then a few months later you say, "You know, I'm feeling better than ever," because your body gets a different message. It's amazing. Wow. When you love your body, oh, I mean, I can tell you stories where people, one young lady who had polio as a child, to make a long story short, was deformed, developed a neurological disease, said, I don't want to die hating my body. I've never, you know, liked it because it was deformed. So she said, I laid down naked in front of the mirror and started loving my body. And literally, I go inch by inch from the toes to the top of my head. And what happens? A few months later, her neurological disease is gone. And wow, what loving her body did for her. Yeah. You know, I, I saw a, um, a physician, well, these two ER doctors, I saw that there's their video went viral on YouTube, these two ER docs out in California talking about the current pandemic and, and how fear is going to kill more people than the actual virus. And, and all of the, the, well, their words were the media trumped up fear <laughs> from the media and, and that it's, it's, it's going to cause more problems than the actual virus itself. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. I mean, it's all scientific. I, I learned to give people hope. Hope is not about statistics. You know, things could happen. And when you study actors, 
give them a tragedy. Say to one, you have coronavirus. Say to the other, you just won the lottery, you know, whatever. But yeah. when, you're, when you're drawing the blood from the one who's in fear, uh, emotionally negative stuff, their immune function goes down, the stress hormone levels go up. When you give them a comedy routine, then the opposite happens. Their immune function increases, stress hormone levels go down. So your life, your feelings, your emotions, your relationships, yes, the hope, the laughter, all those things play a part in what make you vulnerable. Uh, right. and that's why I learned to ask people, what's going on in your life? And I was, by doctor, you see, how they interpreted it. Why are you blaming your patients? I said, what are you talking about? You just asked them what's happening in your life. Are you telling them it's their fault they got sick? I said, no, I'm trying to help them understand why they may be sick now and, you know, straighten those things out to help themselves recover. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so powerful. I hope everybody listening right now has shared this out, number one. Number two, you're taking notes because that is very powerful. So, so Charlie, let's talk about you. We don't, we don't want you living in the shadows over here. So, uh, let's, let's talk about you, Charlie. First, how old are I see? I can't ask, I can't ask your grandpa how old he is. That would yeah. be rude, but I can ask you cause I know yeah. you're younger than I am. <laughs> 25. 25. Wow. Wow. So much life in front of you. So, so, um, Charlie, what, talk a little bit about you. Where, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born in Vernon, Connecticut, but I've lived most of my life here in uh, up in northern Connecticut, like right by the notch, um, okay. very woodsy kind of area. Um, yeah. So I, I write spiritual fiction and inspirational poetry. I do nature photography. Um, and a lot of it comes out of that my mom opened a spiritual store and class center, Wisdom of the Ages in Connecticut when I was three. Um, and I was homeschooled. So I, I grew up doing a lot of my schoolwork in the back of the store, listening every day to her, working with, with customers and clients and teaching meditation and um, that whole kind of idea of helping people. And then I've got Grandpa Bernie on the other side and then the great reach he's had to help people. So um, the I kind of found my own passion and direction, but in the same sort of field of wanting to, to help people. So did you, did you end up going to college? I did some photography courses, um, okay. so uh, I had always taken pictures for fun, but in high school we did a, like an intro to photography type of course, and um, I really fell in love with it and um, was doing a lot of different kinds of nature work for it, and uh, coming out of high school, I ended up going twice to Iceland, um, two, wow. two, two different years in a row, and they did uh, in the field photography training, like manual settings and night photography and stuff, and um, that really got to help take off what I wanted to do in that direction. That is so. So are you? Yeah. Um. Th this is our our book. We just came out with uh, when you realize how perfect everything is. So that's one of my photographs on the cover of a hawk uh, flying through a sunset sky. I took it on the top of Mount Monadnock in New Hampshire, and then I've got like lots of other pictures going through it, um, illustrating our way through. Um, but yeah, I, I sell uh, like fine art prints and canvas and things of my, of my work. And um, I had a, a previous novel I published in 2017 also, uh, Conversations with an Angel, and I've, I'm working on more. So um, yeah, wow. just following that like family kind of path, but in my own direction is, um, it's, I, I feel really inspired by seeing my mom do what she loves with having her store and helping people that way. So I, I think for everybody that's, and follow your passions is a good thing. And you're, you're talk about your mom's store again. You said she teaches you something and your audio broke up when oh, you said that. Yeah. Um her store is called Wisdom of the Ages and she teaches meditation, uh, spiritual development classes. Wow. to help people, you know, re relax and, and find peace, find themselves. Um through my mom's side of the family, we have a lot of Native American friends. So, like, we'll go to powwows, and part of my or my direction with my writing is from their traditions and talking about our connection with nature and and the oneness of everything and things like that. 
Wow. <laughs> okay, so you're you're 75. You said. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. That is so powerful. I you know, I um I, I'm I'm I'll be 52 in July and um I've I've spent the last 17 years um meditating every single day of my life for for 17 years. Um, and it's the greatest gift I've ever discovered ever in my life. And so it it really is. And I I think that that's a message that people need to hear more of. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) How incredibly powerful it is. Uh, Dr. Bernie, what, what are your thoughts on meditation? I mean, I don't know many MDs that sit around meditating. Well, I was going to interrupt you and (laughs) it's, You know, the dog is an excuse for meditation. I take him for a walk several times a day. And I came across the word hispoditis, H-I-S-B-O-D, hispoditis. It's time to walk with God in nature. So every day I take a walk with God before. Um, and try to work out our relationship, if you know what I mean. That I'm not saying you got to fix this, you got to help me, but it's finding the potential, the peace, you know, that God offers all of us. And that's the part I really come to understand. I also know from personal experience that we don't die, our bodies die, we don't. I mean this literally to anybody listening. Your consciousness will not die. It will go on. I've had near-death experience. My wife died two years ago. She's still communicating with me through things, through objects, you know, that have meaning. Um, Let me just say it this way. We were married on the 11th, and I have had some incredible experiences of finding a dime and a penny where there is no reason to explain why it's in a clothes dryer under the sheets of your bed or in a, uh, a bird bath out in the yard filled with leaves. Um, it's just incredible. So I know I'm getting communication from her. Wow. And, and that's a part. So I live in a different way. Uh, I don't fear dying. I mean, yeah, I'd like to set a record and go to 120 and impress everybody. But um, hey, if I get tired one day, as other members of our family have done, that they say, hey, I'm not having dinner. I'm not taking any pills. <laughs> they yeah. And my wife died in her sleep. Uh, her father, mother, all the, you know, my folks, uh, we even had a wonderful party when my father died. He died laughing, um, looking so healthy. I thought he was going to change his mind. But <laughs> again, nobody was arguing with them. So I would say to people, Enjoy your body. When you get tired of it, it's okay to let everybody know. As my father said, I need to get out of here. My you said, did you just say he was looking so healthy? That, yeah. But let me say something, too. No coincidences between Charlie and I. He wrote this called The Rainbow. And it starts out, look out the window. One morning, I get up. I'm a surgeon. I got to get right to the hospital. I like to know what's the weather. What do I need to wear? How much time do I need? And the window was completely iced over. I could not see out what temperature it was, what the weather was like. And I'm getting mad as hell. I can't see. Um, and then I calmed down and I looked at the window again and I realized it was a work of art because the ice had crystallized. It wasn't just a sheet. It looked like ferns, let's put it that way. It looked like it was filled with plants made out of crystals of ice. And then I'm standing there, wow, wanting to get a camera to take photographs of what I used to be very upset about. And then when you went outside and the sun had come out, every tree looked like you had hung diamonds on every branch because the reflection. So that kind of thing changed my brain, you know. Instead of getting angry, why don't you stop and take a look? And Charlie wrote this. Look out the window. 
Rain batters the glass. All the beauty has been covered by a swirling storm. The clouds have smudged the blue of the sky. The rain makes it hard to see. The flowers cross the pond. But there is a rainbow filling the sky above your head. What will you focus on? And that's part of what connects us. You know, I write a poem about a window. He writes a poem basically about a window and his experience with it. And, and that's the part that just, you know, it, it was hard for us not to do things. It's like talking to yourself, you know. Uh, and when somebody agrees with you, it's a wonderful feeling. Let yeah. me just, as long as I'm open to that page, got to read the other side that I wrote. I will not give my power away. It is my happiness, mine. I create it, not you. I decide to be, not you. You can come into my happiness, but you cannot create it or destroy it. You can only enlarge it. And that's something I learned too, that you know, being happy isn't up to somebody else, my being happy. And you know, some of it's from working with people with life-threatening illnesses who still had a sense of humor um, you know, and can make me laugh. Uh, and teach me about life. So I say that's what we're trying to tell everybody, you know, when you realize how perfect everything is. Oh, and I also have always have to man, uh, mention, I said to Charlie, there should be two birds on the cover. That you and I wrote the book, and I love what he said, why I love working with him. He said, no, that's the person reading the book. They have to find their way. Uh. Wow. So I say to people, use this book as a guidebook and read wow. poetry and write your own poetry. And it doesn't have to rhyme. It's about getting, yeah, I don't know who said it, but well, maybe with the biblical line, if you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. So write your poems, bring it out. That is so powerful. My gosh. Charlie, where where did you get the... Uh, you, dude, you're 25. Where did you get this wisdom? <laughs> um, so a, a lot of it's... So it's kind of a combination of things. Like a good part of, of my work is sharing spiritual lessons that I've got to learn along the way from, from sitting in, in classes for a long time that, that my mom teaches. And when I was a kid, I used to like build Legos back behind her teaching a, a whole circle of people. Um, and then I went, when I was like 11 or so, I started to sit in with her and then I'm like helping her teach meditation classes and things now. So uh, that's been a whole part of it is, is like actual lessons I've gotten to learn that it's more traditional spirituality. Yeah. Lots of lessons on like working on yourself and like self evolution, things like that. Um, and then some of it's like, uh, I'm, I'm really inspired by the work of Rumi, uh, some Buddhist different. And like I was mentioning native American, uh, teachings, different principles and ideas from, from them coming together. And as, and feelings and things I've been through in life that are especially our emotions chapter goes through uh, like positive emotions but also different thoughts on working through the, the more challenging emotions of life and and what you do with it and uh, some of those are like experiences I've had in life and following that kind of emotional track or curve and and where you get to with it um, Oh, I'd say part of it too is I've I've been in martial arts. You can probably see the things behind me. Um, so, yeah. so I've been studying martial arts. Um, so that that kind of uh, like it teaches a lot of great things. I think for kids, um, and then well, as as I've seen for adults also, um, getting you focused, getting you in touch with yourself in a in a whole different kind of way, um, giving you kind of a sense of awareness that that takes you to, into a different state within yourself um and, and again that's it's more traditional martial arts that i practice um helps to get you to a different place so um, i think it's it's definitely a combination of different things uh come together and um i want to just help people through my work help people find that like that light and that inspiration um wow. so wow. I've, I've noticed that like having that track um where you're doing what you want to do and then you want to make an impact to help other people it's kind of like things sort of uh, come together around you to help it 
help but get there then. That's, that's uh, so, so let me give you a quote from Charlie that I recite every time we're interviewed. It's on a calendar he made up where, you know, you put the picture and a few words. Yeah. My candle burns not to dispel the darkness, but to put forth the light. Wow. And, and I mean, I think the messages that he wow. puts out uh, are just beautiful. You know, that's, that's incredible. Let, let me ask you a, a question. You know, there are a whole like a, a, a lot of different responses to this question. <clears throat> what do you feel? And, and I'll let, I'll let both of you talk about this. What is the purpose of, of each one of us on this planet? Why are we, why are we here? I mean, is it, is it to, to, to accumulate as much money as we possibly can then die? <laughs> I, I mean, or is it to work really hard, pay the utility bills and, and, and then die? I mean, what's the, what's the purpose? Charlie, you want to go first? Or sure, go I can ahead. go first. Um, so I, I come from a perspective that, like he was talking about, your consciousness goes on. We're, we're all a light, a soul inside um, that, that's here for a time and uh, and goes back to another place. My, my first book, uh, Conversations with an Angel, looks at heaven and earth like it's two different sides of a playground. And sometimes you're going to go to the other side and sometimes you go back to the other one. Um, and so we're here... Think, you think of it like a playground, but you think of it like a schoolroom. I, I heard somebody else refer to it like that, and I like that idea. We're here for a certain time and, and a certain place because um, you agreed to it, I would say, or, or you asked for it as a soul to, to be here. And there are certain lessons and, and things to experience for a purpose. Uh, sometimes a combination of things, your own reasons for your own lessons to, to grow and and evolve it as a being sometimes for, for other people, for helping them and, and being part of, of a family or a group or whatever you, you end up in. Um, but that's part of the, the title of our book, when you realize how perfect everything is, comes from that quote that continues, uh, you'll tilt your head back and laugh at the sky. Um, so that, that idea that, yes, there's a lot of not so great things and difficulties and challenges and in pretty much everybody's lives here but our idea with with um with working with that quote is like it's perfect because it's like that because it's challenging because it makes you figure yourself out and work on on how to how to live this life and and how to make it the best it can be then it's perfect you look back and you see i went through that challenging time but i became me out of it um, and if I hadn't had the challenges and had more like a like a um, easier perfection, uh, I wouldn't have really learned anything or or become me. Uh, so I, I say we're here for this time for for a reason. And when we have the intention of wanting to, I say like spread light, help other people, um, then you you have a good purpose right there, and you can figure out what your more specific purpose is. Uh, by, by following your heart and, and doing what feels right. And um, then eventually we all are, are off to that other place. And, and I, I see it like you're, you continue around that, that circle of more experiences. And, um, but you're here for a time to, to learn and grow. Uh, my, my other grandfather always said, you want to be learning until the day you die. That like learning forever. I, I have on the back of our book and my little bio that I'm an eternal student. Um, and that, that's part of the perspective with martial arts, too, that like you never really get it on purpose. You're always polishing. You can always get better. I right, think that's right. a great perspective for life. Love that. Absolutely love that. Dr. Bernie, what, what do you say? For you, Ken. Okay, I'm ready. If you be God for a day, why would you want to be God? <clears throat> well, I believe that we all are. Hmm. You're avoiding the question. <laughs> cool answer, though. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that God can exist without us, and we can't exist without God. So, um, why would you want to be God? Um, 
I, I would want to be God to, to help people, help people learn how truly amazing they, they are on the inside mm -hmm. and that they can actually discover those gifts and let them, and let them out. That's not too bad. Um, <laughs> most people Did I pass? <laughs> God to fix things. You see, you're, you're saying kind of the same thing. The correct answer is to understand why. Think about that. See, why did God make a world with disease? With a yeah, real, that's a great yeah. question. Yes, and the answer is because I talk to God regularly. I, I'm on the board of directors of Heaven as a consultant, so we go up. <laughs> and I've learned that. See, I, I'll tell you this. The other is on the admission line. I'll give you one more question. You get to heaven. You get to the head of the line. They say, Ken, how do you want to be introduced to God? What would you say? <laughs> He's putting you on the uh, spot today. Yeah. I would be like, well, he doesn't know me already. Why would yeah. you have to introduce me? That's not bad. <laughs> you see, because if you said, you know, my profession or, you know, what I've done, they say, yeah. come back when you know who you are. But if you said, uh -oh. he already knows me, I'm one of his kids, you know, right. I'm his right arm. They say, all right, go ahead in. <laughs> and what you have to realize is, as God said, a perfect world. See, think about the title of a book. It's when you realize how perfect everything is. I don't say you have to make it, you know what I mean? But, yeah. perfect. but God said a perfect world is not creation. It's a magic trick. So you need to live and learn. And really think about it. If everything were perfect, we'd all be going nuts. I mean, what are you yeah. doing yourself all day? Well, there's nothing to do. You know, I mean, we have food, we have our health, you have sunshine, you have nice weather, uh, everybody's friendly. <laughs> of the car never breaks down, nothing goes wrong. And then you realize that it totally loses meaning. But when you're here to be what I call God's right arm, you know, I'm, I'm an instrument of God. So I like to be able to do things that God would like have happen. And uh, then, yes, if I can improve the world, it's a matter of our doing it, if you know what I mean. It's not that we're given this perfection. Yeah, I mean, we're given what we need. I always say, you cut your finger, you don't bleed to death. We'll figure that one out, how to stop bleeding, how to heal. So there are things built into us that are beautiful, that keep us alive and keep us going. Um, and that, you know, we accept, but then there's meaning, things that you have to make a decision about, how you treat your children, how you treat your neighbor, you know, the age-old message, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I really think, to me, why God sends us an a pandemic, because the theme is so real. You're told, stay home. The earth is our home. And if we're going to stay home, we have to care for each other, love each other, protect each other. You know, not just my country, your country, my race, your race, my religion. No, we're all in the same family. And often it takes a tragedy to wake up to that fact. Yeah. And as sad as it is, if we all realize how vulnerable we are together, then we should be nice to each other instead of uh, separating ourselves from one another. And I, I have to say this, I'm always asking this too. If I had a photograph of either you, myself, or Charlie, and you don't know who it is, what's it a photograph of? Three spiritual beings. What? That's cool. We're, it would be a photograph of three spiritual beings in, in human form. Yeah, but I could still tell you which one it is. <laughs> what you have to realize is the right answer, which most five and six-year-olds immediately know, because they go like this, my heart, 
Yeah, we're all the same inside. Yeah. I said to God, why didn't you make us all the same inside and outside? And he said, then who are you serving dinner to? If you're all the same, you won't even know who the hell's at the table. So <laughs> we need to be different for identification, yeah. not for separation. And yeah. that's what I'm always trying to help people. And I know Charlie too, to bring us together, to create the family of man and not, you know, we can be in different neighborhoods, but we're still part of the same family. You, you, you said earlier that you, you know, one of the first questions you would ask a patient that's coming in with an illness and I'm, I'm assuming any type of illness, what kind of surgery did you did you perform? I did good surgery. <laughs> um, I did good answer. surgery and pediatric surgery. Okay. Um, I just love kids. And so I took special training, you know. But again, that was one of the things that drove me nuts. Why does God have kids born with all these genetic defects that you have to repair? No anus, you know, heart problems. Um hernias, all kinds of things, and some very serious intestines that are closed, you know, like a hose where you cut a piece off. And, yeah. and so you had to repair and redo all these things. And I found the children were my teachers, but they're coming from their hearts. And yeah. it was just wonderful to learn from them. And I also learned how powerful the mind is because I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um, on my website, BernieSiegelMD.com, is deceiving people into health. I realized since the kids trusted me, I could lie to them all the time for their benefit. And it was hypnotic. In other words, they believed me. So I would tell them an alcohol sponge will numb your skin. You don't feel needles. You know, this pill will cure your problems. You're not going to be nauseated. You're not going to. And no matter, you know, I could give them a vitamin and it would cure their problem. They rub them, their skin, and they'd say, well, why don't the other doctors do that? Because they didn't feel the needle at all. And that's what impressed me, how powerful our mind is. And that I try to get across to everybody. Your body believes what your mind conceives of. So when your wonderful doctor tells you every side effect in the book that you could have from your treatment, you go home and have them. That's yeah. what doctor said can happen and i used to tell people don't read the list of side effects give it to your family if you get a headache you can say there's a headache on the list you know <laughs> and rather than have everything on the list start happening to you because you read it and that's what people have to understand your mind is an incredible instrument in how you do and and i may add though it's not in the book but my patients were called Siegel's crazy patients. And first that was a derogatory term, but then it was a compliment because these people did not have side effects, did not have problems. Uh, it was incredible. You know, got over diseases they were supposed to die of because the other doctors learned if you gave them hope, then, you know, incredible things happen. I mean, I just yeah. a quote from an oncologist at the end of his telling me he agreed this woman probably had a couple of months to live as her doctor had told her. But he said, I know you and your crazy patients, so I'll give her hope. <laughs> she was in complete remission of her cancer. Why? Because Dr. Siegel sat on my bed and hugged me. I knew I'd get better. And the oncologist wow. carried that kind of love with him because he'd learn about, you know, the fun of caring for my crazy patients. They had, I mean, amazing radiation, chemotherapy, no side effects. Because I let it go to my tumor. I get out of the way. Wow. So more specific, why the poetry and the reading, knowing yourself. I can't just object to go to see an oncologist. The oncologist, you see, he doesn't know his patient. So what does he say to him? Dave, I'm going to kill your cancer with this treatment. Dave said, I don't kill anything. He got up and walked out of the office. Well, what if the doctor had said, Dave, I'm going to cure your disease. I'm going to make you well. 
I'm right. you, you know? Yeah. Now, Dave went home and did other things and lived for over 12 years. But that's where doctors need to learn to communicate with the person. Yeah. And, you know, bring forth, write your poem, bring it out. Yeah. And be so people. What about the people, though? And, and this is a question for both of you, because I'm sure along your journey, um, you've met. You've met the people who are addicted to chaos, right? I mean, there are a lot of people addicted to the the news. Oh, oh God, it's it, we're all gonna die, <laughs> and the and the you know all of the the chaos. You can you can identify these people pretty quickly just by listening to them for thirty seconds speak, and 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 you can tell that they're addicted to chaos. How do you, or, or is there a way that you're aware of to get through to those people, or do you just kind of have to let them live in the pain? Golly, do you have experience? You want to share? Sure. Yeah, um, I, I, I know uh, types of people you're talking about. Um, and yet, like, we all have our thing, so, like, that might be their thing to be living like that, and then we have our own uh, issue or struggle we're dealing with. Um, but, yeah, when 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 you're presented with somebody like that and you want to be able to help them. Um, I think of it like, like injecting peace into their lives in like small doses. Uh, so if they're used to living in that like uh, life of stress and, and struggle it, you can't just like, you got to do this like meditation practice all the time and this, and like try to tell them to switch their whole lives. It's like take five minutes and, and go be outside and, in the trees and, and let all of that go and it's little bits at a time and um, letting them build on that then find that this little bit works now I'm going to build on that and and build on that and uh, sometimes it's them finding themselves like they might be kind of masking another issue by being all caught up in the news or something so if you're if you get through one stress center or issue you might find something else to deal with and that that could be a bigger thing that they're uh avoiding or could use working on um so that, that it's a process that way for sure and everybody has their own thing that helps them like some people would want guided meditation some people would want quiet uh, one of my friends just being outside for 10 minutes is so um people need different things different ways helps me a lot to go take pictures Days, like um, caught up at, at a lot of stress and work stuff. My mom was like, go out five minutes down the street and find those flowers that just bloomed and like go take a half an hour and take pictures. And like I come back with some really cool stuff and I like laid down and had a conversation with a flower and that, then it's a whole different feeling. Um, wow. So wow. like that, that's good for people to, to have that, but like um, taking it in steps is it's a process and it's a daily process for everybody to, to be calm and be centered with with life today for sure it's it's one of those struggles that you know it could be an important thing that's here for us to give us something to work on that's and let me say that if you brought up without love that a lot of what you do is to get attention and it can be in unhealthy ways. So if you get sick, if you cause a problem at school, whatever it is, at least you get attention and somebody notices you. And that's sad. And I'd say we have to realize how many people, and I mean this literally, have not grown up with love, have grown up with rejection. And that's the reason for their violence and the misery that they're going through. And one day, I had a patient come in and see many of them are self-inflicting wounds upon themselves and punishing themselves. This woman came in asking me to operate on a problem she had. I looked at her chart and it was every three to six months she was having some surgery. And when you looked at it, I realized she would keep complaining, even though the doctor at first said, you don't need this, you know, that surgery for this problem. She'd keep whining and complaining until you could tell their reaction was, oh, I am sick and tired of this lady. Let me operate on her and get her out of here. So I said to her, this is what I see in your record. You're punishing yourself. You want to come in and talk to me and 
let me get your, help you get your life straightened out. I'll do that, but I'm not going to operate on you. And she said, oh, you know, you're a wise man. That's exactly what's going on. So I'll come and talk to you. Then the insurance company wrote me and I got such a kick out of it. We don't pay surgeons for talking. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote them back and I said, take a look at the last few months of her life. Hasn't cost you much of anything. I said, she's punishing herself and you're paying for it. I said, I'm going to talk to her, get her life straightened out. And they wrote back saying, okay, keep talking. <laughs> they looked up the records, they saw that. And that's the sad part. And nature teaches us because I also had a group therapy session with our family. The street around our house, I mean, we live on a circle. So the whole circle was repaved. And suddenly the pavement cracks open and a planet comes out. And I was impressed. How the hell did that seed grow, push the pavement and bust out? And I looked it up too and I read that plants can tell gravity. They have a sense of gravity so they know which way is up. And yeah. I just was amazed. So I brought the family down and they were looking at me like, what are we here for? I said, the plant, it's a trunk cabbage. What are you getting so excited about? I said, it's that it grew through the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying to impress everybody how they should live their life. But I think, again, those mechanisms are built into us. We need to understand them. And may I read two more poems? Please, please do. By Charlie, my brother trees. Let not my leaves be torn off by a harsh wind singing in the dead of night, brought in by the cold winter months to come. But let me take ease in the shifting changes like my brother trees do. Let me see the way that the winds of change can shape me to be my purest self and all the delusions and illuminated by the clarity that is my destiny held aloft by my heart. In the little changes in the ever-rolling hills, the land is eavesdropping on the season to come. Its change takes a deep breath and begins to blow out its wonder, then letting the leaves rake their magical colors across the ever-changing sky. Let me see how I am a part of all that surrounds me and how deep within me is the key to the secret, which in fact is the key itself. And that's entitled My Brother Trees. And then on the other page, a poem by Bernie Siegel entitled Trees. And again, this is what I feel all the time, why we connected. I watch the trees grow and branch, reaching out and upwards. Why? What directs them? Who guides them? What voice speaks to them? about how to grow, reach, divide, ever upwards towards what? Is it the sun? Something more pulls them skyward. Maybe we need to raise our arms towards the sky and find the answer. And that, again, is what touches me when I find we're both writing poems with the same titles, what we're seeing in nature. And that's why, again, I ask people to write poems. When you're walking around, carry a little pad and a pencil with you. And if you see something that touches your heart, make a note about it. Uh, what I used to write about was all the things that were filling my heart. Until my wife said, there's nothing funny in your journal. And I said, my life isn't funny. All the pain I'm seeing. She said, let me tell you some of the jokes you tell us at dinner that happened in the hospital and those never got in my journal but she helped me switch my brain to not forget and write about the nice things somewhere i don't know if it's in this book or not i remember reading this little child and that night i sat down i said i didn't write a poem today i met one it's a beautiful little child you know what a wonderful creation Beautiful, sharing love, you know, not complaining, uh, you know, like, how are you? I always tell people, don't ask. Um, I say, next time you see me, say, you're looking very well today. And I mean it. I get people to do that. And we all have a laugh. But, you know, what are people asking? How are you today? What do you want me to tell you? The truth 
or lie. Fine. It's be in touch with reality. You know, it's better if people yeah. come up and say, let me give you a hug, you know, or I'm so glad to see you. And, and then you feel restored and it makes a difference. Wow. So, so Charlie is not your only grandchild, is he? No. no. <laughs> Just your favorite. <laughs> They're all my favorites. <laughs> you know, I, part of it is because some have just graduated from school. Like one of them is, is the middle of three boys. And I know because we had five kids, but first there were three boys, then twins. So the twins were everybody's problem. But I noticed that if you're the middle of three boys, what's special about you? You're not the oldest. You're not the youngest. So you better cause trouble if you want to get attention. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so to my grandson, I said, I really admired him for how well he did as the middle brother. You know, yeah. he didn't need to be a problem to get attention from his two other very, you know, smart and uh, well-doing uh, brothers. And that's the kind of thing I try to share with them. I let them know I love them. Um, yeah. And I also add, it doesn't mean I like what you're doing. I had to learn that with our kids. You know, making noise doesn't mean you don't love somebody. Right. They had to learn that. It means I don't like what you're doing. And uh, I got to mention one other. Our twins were born with a hearing impairment due to German measles my wife was exposed to. And imagine when they're young, we don't know they're not hearing well. So the three guys would be watching television and the twins would walk in and turn the set up. And the next thing you know, everybody would be fighting over, turn it down, what are you that? You know, and, and they're all yelling. And I'd go in and how do I know what they're fighting over? They just, right. oh, I'd calm everybody down. And uh, it took a while. Then my wife said, we need to get their hearing tested. And that solved a lot of problems. You know, then they were understood rather than a problem for turning everything up. Wow. Yeah. So, so right now, you know, and I, I do want to put up on the screen real quick. It's going to cover, cover you up partially, but um, this, this is the, the cover of your book, a beautiful, beautiful cover, by the way, love that photo. Thanks. Chart. Thanks. It's beautiful. So um, when you realize how perfect everything is, a conversation about life between grandfather and grandson, that is a new book, right? You just yeah. released it recently. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, just last month. So for, for, for everybody watching, go grab a copy. Where do they get it? Where's, where's the best place to get it? Um, so it's up on like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and pretty much anywhere you'd like to go. Uh, but if you want to go to the website of my mom's store, wisdomoftheages.biz, B-I-Z, uh, you can get autographed copies and get them directly from me that way too. Wisdomoftheages.biz? Yep. Yeah, that's their store website. And there's a page on there that's about my photography and writing. There's a page of all the Grandpa Bernie's works on there too. Yeah, and if they go to my website that has a connection to, you know, wisdom of the ages. So if you forget that, go to my site and yep. it'll connect you also. Wisdom you of yep. the ages dot biz. Right. Um, somebody already just bought it from Amazon. I, oh, I, nice. I'm actually an Amazon influencer, whatever that means. And I will add <laughs> your book to my store on. Oh, on thank Amazon. you. Um, so, so my my question for you is, you know, I, I'm just going to be transparent. I, I was, and this may sound weird to you, but I was blessed with the gift of alcoholism. And, and, and almost 18 years ago, I discovered that I was in fact an alcoholic. <laughs> so, so I started, you know, recovery and, and it was a year later that meditation was introduced to me. And, and so that's kind of what set me on my, my spiritual um, discovery journey, if you would. And, and, you know, I, I had to hit a really hard bottom though, to, to wake up. I really had to. And, I hate 
seeing people go through that pain because I've been there and it sucks. I mean, it's really, it's not fun. To the people who are stuck right now that may be watching, they're stuck, they're trapped in fear, they're trapped in all of the, the mind chatter going on. Um, what do you say to them to help them not have to hit a bottom, but to get unstuck now and start discovering their true potential? First of all, let them know I love you. If you need a new father, I'll be your father. Thank I mean, you. I like what you're doing, but I'll love you. Thank Another you. is, how do you introduce yourself to God when you get to heaven? You know what I mean? That you're a fine child and to understand that and to look at what's already been written. Um, look at the AA group and, and you know, the list uh, that they have. Um, yeah. Oh, you might say everybody who's got a problem, whether it's I've got cancer, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. Uh, how did you find your way out of that? And when you make a list, then you see what the Bible behavior is about. You can look in the Bible, you can look at a list that came from the United States Marines. They do what's good for the group. Choose the difficult right over the easy wrong. I mean, those are from Marines. You say, how did that list come out? Well, it's survival behavior. So whatever your risk is, whether it's fighting in a war, you know, or dealing with drugs or health, or look at what survivors have done. There's something the psychiatrist came up with, immune competent personality. And so again, the list that you say no when you don't want to do something, you ask for help, you have meaning in your life. I mean, men will say, there's no point in living, I can't work anymore. Women say, I can't die till they're all married and out of the house. So women have a longer survival rate than men with the same disease. Again, find connections. Get a dog. I'm not kidding. When you do studies of diseases, um, you know, heart attack. A year later, there was a dog in the house. Uh, I think it was 6% of the people had died. If there was no dog in the house, 24% of them had died in this study that a doctor did. You wow. say, what's the difference of a dog? Well, it's not just you go for a walk and you exercise. You have a relationship. Somebody loves you. Somebody's petting you. Well, after my wife died, two of the cats in the house, I mean, they had taken my wife's place. It's incredible how they follow my schedule. And if I lie down to rest and go to sleep, they join me. My wife was alive. So I know they're paying attention to me. And all these are small things. But as I say, the biggest I found was either reparent yourself or find somebody to be your parent. Yeah. If you said, I have this show because I love all of you and I want to be your chosen dad. So I care about you and I'm going to have people come on to help you to live. That will mean something to people. See, yeah. I'm not doing it for myself or publicity or blah, blah. It's because I care about you. And we have to start caring about ourselves too. Um, you don't, you know, that's why I love the perfect. You become perfectly imperfect. You know, that is a word I've always shared. Um, yeah. If everything were perfect, as I said, we'd all be bored. But when it's perfectly imperfect, we have the tools in the way of accomplishing what needs to be done for each other. And we are, our consciousness is immortal. You're given a body, that's your tool. Breaks down and dies, you switch to another one. And I'm not kidding when I say that. So it's, those are the past life experiences that people have and so forth and so on. But we're here to contribute and uh, to keep it going. My my dear friend Sherry Gideons is on here, and she has had two near death experiences. She died twice, and um, she's a really really dear friend of mine. She knows some she knows some stuff. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, big time. And I'm like, what? So it, you know, it's it's really amazing to hear that that confirmation from from people. It, it's well, amazing. Four years old is when it happened to me, choking on a toy, and wow. I left my body. 
And it was an incredibly painful experience. And I was thrilled to be out of my body. I didn't know it wasn't a common experience. I'm four years old. What the hell did I know about that? <laughs> the thing that I laughed at when I didn't die, due to my angel doing a Heimlich maneuver on the kid, he vomited. Um, and all parts came out that I put in. The first words out of my mouth when I didn't die were, who did that? I was looking forward to being dead. It was so exciting and interesting. And I was mad that I wow. Wow. wasn't interested in my wonderful experience. And she came into the bedroom and found me. Um, but you can't worry about it when you have that. You see, you think, you feel, you know, you don't have a body. I mean, it's like you're this little thing floating around. Yeah. And even my mother-in-law, I can go on forever. When my mother-in-law died, um, I was in religious services, and I saw this little cloud literally come in the door and hover over my head and say, goodbye, Bernie. And I knew my mother-in-law had died. I ran down to the nursing home. Uh, I walk in the door, and the nurse said, oh, you've heard. I said, I know. I'm here. I know because you came to say goodbye. That, you know, when you have those experiences, I don't deny them because I know it's real. And when you find your faith, all these things, you know, it calms your life down. Because you mentioned this earlier who your Lord is, you know, money, uh, reputation. Uh, yeah. So those are the wrong Lords. When you yeah. the right Lord and have faith. You will have the support as Abraham did and Jesus did and, you know, with you no matter what you have to go through. Wow, this has been absolutely amazing. Charlie, what what do you say to somebody that's stuck right now? Maybe they can't pay their bills. They, they're freaking out. They're living in paralyzed by fear. What, what do you have to say to that person watching right now? Um, what I've learned is that it's important to, to have a shift sometimes that like if, if you're feeling stuck and you're in that situation that if you get out and you, you kind of get a break from it, but get to a more positive state uh, for a time first, then you come back to it, you, then you can handle it better than you could have before. Um, so it helps for me, especially to get outside and, and to, to take pictures or see in the world in a way where like when I get behind the camera, I'm looking at what that, what that a piece of nature says, uh, like the composition of the image, what it's going to be able to, to touch and reach to people with metaphorically in the image. So it puts me in a whole different uh, mindset. Um, but whether it's being outside or it's, um, you know, like doing something that relaxes you and, and helps you go and get into that better space first. And, um, and that whether it's like a feeling stuck in an addiction kind of way like you were talking about some kind of like shift in the pattern um and then feel like you come back to it the, the different you you can handle it better and um and like he was talking about being loved that loving yourself is is definitely a key thing too and that it's a, it's a process to work on through life but when you can kind of like i was talking about building it up from something little to something bigger. Like when you can find something small that you can like, well, I love this about me. I love doing this or this thing that, that I am good at um, connect with that. And, and then it, you can grow it from there. Um, but the, that's the key thing too, that like, it's easy to get stuck in, um, in the challenging situation. So like find something good, something little, and you know, it's, it's like breaking up an iceberg, got to get the little pieces and there you go. And I, I love something a young woman put on her refrigerator when AIDS was confronting her. Said, "When you live in your heart, magic happens." Mm. She went from positive to negative HIV. Um, so those are the people who kept teaching me. And I'd say to everybody watching this: let your heart make up your mind. Stop thinking. Listen to your heart. And a lot of nice and wonderful things will happen. See, that's when the so-called coincidences happen. Who you yeah. meet, who you bump into, you know, when you go shopping or something. And you say, oh, I needed to see you. And there they are. So follow your heart. Um, what's in his name? Jung said, the future is unconsciously prepared long in advance 
and therefore can be guessed by clairvoyance. So when somebody's telling your fortune, they're reading you. But if you live in your heart and follow that, those choices, you'll end up in the right places. You don't need a fortune teller because you'll be making your fortune with the steps you take. Wow. So powerful. You two are amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I'm not, I'm not saying that just to try and edify you. I, I, I really truly mean I cannot wait to get a copy of your book and, and read it. I'm going to go buy the sign. I want an autographed copy though. So I want to go buy, I'm going to go buy that one. Um, you, you guys are amazing. I'm going to end the live stream. If you two don't mind, would you hang on for a minute so I can chat with you for a second afterwards? Sure. Uh, Thanks for having us on. Thank you both so much. Many, many blessings to you both. And, and I'd love to stay in touch with you too. So thank you to everyone who's watched and shared this out and, and participated with the comments and everything. You guys absolutely are amazing, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.